Welcome to the Mediocre Outdoor Podcast, where I talk about the old ways in a new way. Technology is great, but knowing how it used to be done can only progress us further. So join me and my guests as we talk about everything from canning to skiing and everything in between. So today I need to eat a little crow. Um, Last year I started talking about hunting weapons, and I, maybe I mentioned this in one of the previous podcasts, but anyways, um, I made a comment where I said that I don't use uh, the AR platform for, or really any semi-automatic rifles for hunting, and um, I got to eat a little crow today because I have since built a 6.5 Grendel uh, on an AR platform, and I think it's going to be my new deer hunting rifle. So that is a pretty cool thing. Now, um, because I, I mean, everybody has an AR-15 and 5.56 or two two three, you know, for plinking or home defense or competition or whatever, uh, but there's a lot of calibers out there that I really wasn't aware of in the... AR-15 platform. Now, a lot of you that are familiar familiar with this style of weapon or firearm uh, is probably familiar with the AR-10, which is the big brother to the AR-15, and you can get calibers like uh, a 6.5 Creedmoor, a 308, or maybe some more of your small action uh, rifles like a 243 or something like that in that AR-10 platform, but with the AR-15, it's mostly been a varmint, uh, varmint round, or, or cartridges that are more for home defense, or target practicing, or something like that, um, and I'm sure some of you guys that are, are big enthusiasts of the AR-15 probably are like, no doy, dude, like, that, that's kind of aged me by saying doy, but anyways, um, you're like, yeah, that they've been around. Where have you been? Well, I guess I'm a late bloomer when it comes. <clears throat> excuse me, when it comes to this stuff. But uh, just to give you some idea, some some rounds that they make in the AR-15 that you can now hunt with uh, for deer and and larger game are the 6.5 Grendel, uh, the 300 Blackout, which is a 30 caliber round. The 458 SOCOM, which is a 45 caliber, and now also, which has always been, I mean, a lot of people I know that have SKSs and, and AK-47s and and uh, more of that Asian or, you know, East European, East European style of uh, semi-automatic rifle run the 7.62x39, which is a little bit bigger than a 30 cal. Um, then that also is, uh, legal to hunt with. So, uh, but they now will make, uh, the modifications to the AR-15 to allow that 7.62 by 39, uh, round, uh, in an AR-15. Now, if you're more of a target shooter or, um, you know, somebody that just likes going out and go plinking, uh, something like that, and you're thinking maybe you want to hunt with it, I would suggest probably that 7.62x39 uh, cartridge 
because they're still fairly cheap. You can get that wolf ammo, this the seal casing. Um, in this in this day and age, it's still the cheapest stuff you're going to find. It, it works, and now you can put it in an AR style frame or AR style gun and and get the same results as you do in something like a AK or an SKS or something like that. So, uh, very versatile, very cheap, and yet you still get uh, the little bit more modern style of rifle. So, um, but anyways, I, I chose the Grendel um, because I already have a 6.5 Creedmoor, and now that I reload, it's nice to have another 6.5 cartridge that uh, I can swap bullets so if if you guys are into reloading um you'll soon find out that you start buying calibers that take the same diameter bullet um because now you can interchange it on more than just one cartridge you can use so like if you're into 30 cals right so you buy a 180 grain 30 caliber bullet well potentially uh theoretically you could use that same bullet in a 308, a 300 wind mag, uh, a 30 out six, and uh, if you get the flat nose kind or or the new soft tipped kind, you could even use it in something like a 3030 because they're all 30 caliber. Um, so with that said, I'm kind of doing the same thing with the 65, and I really like the 65. I know it's kind of the the new kid on the block. As far as the Creedmoor goes, and now the Grendel, but the six five, the six point five millimeter bullet has been out for a long time. Uh, Remington two sixties is a six point five millimeter. Uh, they've been out forever. Uh, there's quite a few other ones out there that uh, a lot of Wildcats, uh, a lot of long range shooters use them because they're ballistic coefficient, uh, which is I don't have the definition for me, but in front of me. But I, for the layman, basically it flies through the air with less resistance uh, than most bullets because of its length versus its diameter, and so it's really flat shooting. It doesn't have a lot of drop. Um, it's very very aerodynamic, I guess is the way. It is. Anyways, so that and the weight ratio, it just is a really very accurate bullet. It's just, it's a really good bullet. Uh, the next closest thing is pretty much a seven millimeter, which is also a caliber that I hate. Uh, I hate the seven millimeter Remington Magnum, uh, because everyone I've ever shot, including the one I have kicks the holy crap out of me, uh, because it just has such a sharp recoil, but man, is it an accurate rifle? And, um, I definitely have a love hate relationship with my seven mag, but they are a great round. Um, that's why I own one, even though it punishes me. So anyways, off the topic a little bit, I just wanted to say that, um, I got to eat some crow and I, uh, and say that I was wrong, uh, that the AR platform does have some really, uh, good hunting calibers and I'm going to try to uh, kill a deer this year with my 6.5 Grendel once I get it all set up. So, uh, 
if you guys are into that kind of stuff, then um, check it out. Now, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I also, in the AR platform, uh, just realized that they're now making a AR platform 12 gauge. Actually, um, my brother-in-law just purchased one. Actually, he purchased it from Rooftop Arms of all places. But a uh, little plug there. Anyways, uh, it's a really cool gun. Uh, I never thought I would uh, be into something like that. Uh, kind of more, I, I I hate to use the word assault 12 gauge, but it's more of a home defense or tactical, I guess would be a better way to say it, a tactical 12 gauge. Uh, it's got the AR lower, so it's got the more um, AR style buttstock, uh, pistol grip, magazine well um you know it, it looks when you look at it, it looks like a giant ar-15 uh it's made by a company i'm not quite sure how to pronounce the company name so i'm just going to spell it for you it is uh or it's spelled c-i-t-a-d-e-l and i don't want to butcher that so i'm just not even going to try uh so anyways they're reasonable. I mean, right now retail is about six hundred dollars. Uh, they have instead of a um, uh, a charging handle top style like normal traditional AR-15s, it's got the uh, the side cocking bolt mechanism. So it's got a, a basically just a little knob that sticks out on the side of the bolt carrier, and it just slides back like a like a most traditional semi-automatics uh do so it's really cool uh, i i guess uh talking to uh to my brother-in-law who had been talking to uh rooftop arms they were saying that they actually have some guys that have been out uh trying their hand at duck hunting with one of these shotguns because the cool thing is, is i'm not quite sure if the barrel is 16 or 18 inches i th- think it's it looks like it's at least 18 inches um but it comes with five different removable choke tubes just like a hunting 12 gauge would so uh you could i mean you could definitely turkey hunt with it you could definitely deer hunt with it with some slugs or buckshot but i guess these guys have been doing some some duck hunting with them and sounds like they're being pretty successful so anyways something crazy and new everything's always changing uh you know, and I guess I, I've, I've really started looking a lot at the um, the AR platform over the last year. With I mean, it just seems like there's getting to be more and more controversy over this uh, this weapon or this firearm for for no reason. Um, you know, if you look. <laughs> I, I know I know what it is. There's stigmas on the you know in the media and everything else. It's just trying to make it this evil gun. But this firearm is the most popular firearm in America because it's so versatile and useful, um, no matter what you're doing with it. But it, the thing that bothers me is if you look back through history for the for at least the two hundred years of American history, but you could probably even go back further, is that whenever there is a major war, um, I mean, you could start with the Revolutionary War, but let's just start with this this Civil War, because it was 
makes more sense. But in the Civil War, going into it, it was all muzzle-loading rifles. And by the end of the Civil War, we had repeating arms. with. So we had, um, well, we go in, we have single-shot, muzzle-loading, long rifles. And, and then as it starts progressing through, they want more of a repeating uh, firearm. And then they end up with the repeating revolver. You still have to load each barrel as a muzzleloader, but now you have six rounds before you have to reload. Uh, as it as it progresses through, you know, the Civil War, by the end of it, you're getting things like uh, completely contained uh, metallic cartridges where the load is, you know, the ammunition that we kind of know as today where you have a, your powder and your bullet and a casing and a primer all in one and you can breech load it. And so as you're coming out of, you know, the Civil War, you're starting to, these weapons are starting to go with people back into civilian life and being used because they're very effective. Um, then you get into World War One, and you start seeing, I mean, there's, I'm, there's a lot of space in there with a lot of different firearm uh, progressions, but you start getting into World War One and World War Two, semi-automatic rifles and really accurate bolt rifles start becoming a big thing. And what happens after the war? Will people take these things home? Like the uh, Colt 1911 is probably one of the most famous firearms in the world, and it came out of 1911 during World War Two. Uh, excuse me, World War One. And today is still a very, very popular uh, firearm. And so then you progress, progress into World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam. That's when the AR-15 kind of raises its head as an M16 slash AR-15. Uh, and then it has just progressed into, you know, Desert Storm and, and the uh, Iraq and Afghanistan wars, the M4 it's just it's just the way it works the military is the biggest proponent of firearm research uh and development and when people come back from war and they're using these weapons uh or these firearms in i don't know why i keep saying i, I don't keep using the word firearm is what it is i don't know i i, I should anyways um when they use these firearms, they get proficient with them, and then when they get back to civilian life, they're like, "Hey, I'm so proficient with this weapon, with this firearm. Why don't I just sporterize it and use it for hunting and target practicing and competition shooting and self defense? It's to where it's legal, and and we've done that. You know, like I said, every one of those timestamps that I just talked about, you can see where." Soldiers had come back from war and t taken these weapons and sporterized them and used them in everyday civilian life and were very popular. Uh, that's where the 30 out 6 came from. That's where the 308 came from. Uh, I mean, I can go on and on and on. But, anyways, uh, so I just, I guess for me, it's just hard for me to see the the opposition's side of how evil this certain platform of firearm is when it's no different than we've had for centuries. 
And so it's just another progression. It's just right now it happens to be the attack of what people want to attack uh, the Second Amendment and people with firearms. So um, now that's my opinion. You might have a different opinion and, you, you know, kudos to you for that. But that's pretty factual. So uh, I think you'd have a hard time arguing with me on that. But just a little bit of information. Um, oh, uh, so the next thing I really wanted to talk about, speaking of Crow, uh, is that, uh, you know, there's some, it gets this time of year, waterfowling season's over, um, there's kind of a lull until mid-April when turkey season starts up, but at least in my state, there's quite a few other things you can do, um, like crow season, I mean, who thinks about going crow hunting? But it's actually kind of fun. You can call them in. Uh, you set up decoys just like you would with waterfowl or anything else. And they're pretty smart. Uh, but in my state, it runs from September to December 31st, which I thought it used to run year-round. That's kind of why I put it in here. But it's still a four-month season if you want to get out there and and, uh, and shoot some crow. And as far as uh, I've heard, I've never eaten one. But as far as I've heard from the guys over there at the, uh, the meat eater, they uh they've eaten eaten them a couple times and uh, and they actually think they're not that bad. So there you go, one more food to eat. Uh, squirrel hunting. So I know down in the, in the southeast, uh, even in the east and and maybe even you know the Midwest area, squirrel hunting is a very big thing. Um, but for me, growing up. In Washington, there's really no squirrels you can hunt. Uh, We have the western gray squirrel, which is a very, very endangered species. They they definitely they have a a niche in a very small little pockets, and um, they're not doing they're not adapting very well to all the urban sprawl. And so they're protected, and then our Douglas fur squirrels, um, they're also protected along with ground squirrels and everything else. So there's really not a lot of squirrels um, that I grew up hunting, but in the last 20 years, uh, at least kind of in more uh, urban settings, like even around my place, which is kind of, I would say, borderline urban-rural uh, the eastern gray squirrels have gotten established, established where and when and how, I don't know. Uh, but for the last 20 years, they keep getting more and more prevalent. Well, I started researching uh, regulations and stuff for eastern gray squirrels in Western Washington, and there really aren't any. Um, they're an invasive species. They are actually taking habitat away from our native squirrels, and like so many other invasive species... And so there's really no hunting season on them. There's really no bag limit. Uh, the only real rules that I can find for Washington um, are that in Washington, say you can't use a body gripping trapping device. Uh, so you would have to use a live trap to trap them. And because they're an invasive species, if you do trap them, uh, you were not allowed to take them off the property that they were trapped on. So meaning that basically if you're going to remove them from that property, you have to dispatch them. Um, 
And so you just can't bring them off alive. Uh, other than that, they seem to be kind of fair game. And if anybody knows any different or has any other rules or whatever for Washington State that they know of about Eastern Gray Squirrels, I would love to hear about it. You can definitely email me. But from all the forums I've seen, from everything that I've gathered through WDFW um, and everything that I've watched um, on YouTube and wherever else I can find stuff on Eastern Gray Squirrels, that's that's what I've come up to for conclusions. So uh, if, if anybody has anything different than that, uh, please get a hold of me. I would like to know. Um, Obviously, I don't want to be breaking any rules or regulations, but as far as I can tell, they look like they're free game. So, um, and I hear they're delicious. So, there you go, people. There's an extra meat you can try. It's right out your backyard. Try some squirrel. Uh, if you're in areas that you can hunt squirrel, by all means, get out there and hunt squirrel. Also, um, being that this is a slow time of year, if you're not into trapping, uh, or like I said, uh, anything else, you can still hunt, at least in my state, until March 15th, you can still hunt fox and bobcat, raccoon, cottontail, snowshoes, coyotes, uh, you can even hunt cougar, um, so you have to have a special license for some of those, some of those you just have to have a small game license, but uh, yeah, there's still stuff you can get out there and, and hunt. While you're in the lull of, excuse me, the lull of the season, also um, steelhead hunting or steelhead hunting, steelhead fishing is is kind of taking off right now. As long as the the rivers don't blow out, and so winter steelhead is kind of popular. If you haven't tried that, that's a that's a fun sport. So uh, there's also ice fishing. If you're in an area that you can find some sturdy enough ice to do some ice fishing. I did that last year and uh, really enjoyed it. Hopefully, I'll try to get do that again this year. Um, so, yeah, there's still some stuff to do out there, guys. And then also, we have uh, my daughter, because she did the deferral program last year with the uh, WDFW, uh, which if you're, not, uh, if you're not familiar, the deferral license program is that uh, Washington State allows you to uh, get a deferral for one year. So for one year, you can buy any hunting license that you want and go hunting with a mentor uh, without having to take the hunter safety course. And the reason they do this is to kind of see if you are really interested in hunting or before you waste your time going through the course uh, and the money, you kind of get you know, get your hands wet, see if it's really something you're into. Anyways, uh, so we did that with my wife and daughter last year. My daughter shot her first deer. She loved it. She is now a crazed lunatic when it comes to anything hunting and fishing. Uh, my wife, on the other hand, um, couldn't get her to, to actually go out and do it. She just wasn't her thing. And so it's was like, okay, good. We know now, not a big deal. Uh, we don't have to have you sit through hours of classes just to realize that it's not something that she's ever going to do. Uh, with the daughter, with the daughter though, I'm glad we did that because it sparked a fire in her. And now, taking her hunter safety, she's actually 
concentrating and wanting to to do it, which before we tried to do it and it was it was kind of like pulling teeth. It was it wasn't as uh it wasn't as fun for me or her. So now it is and I'm glad we did it. So I guess that kind of leads me into what I was going to say is that right now with this little bit of slack time between hunting seasons uh is a great time if you haven't got a hunting license yet or haven't taken your hunter safety course yet, now's the time to do it. Um, you can go online and do everything online. It's 11, um, it's 11 chapters and 11 quizzes. And then I believe it's a final at the end. I haven't got that far yet with with my daughter. Um, but from what I've heard, and then you have to take a little, uh, one day, course uh field course where you go out and um have some instructors that will you know monitor you and kind of see how you handle firearm in the real world and stuff like that for especially for people that have never done that um but i'm not sure with covid i've heard speculations that you don't necessarily have to do they're kind of wavering that field day um so which is even more of a reason why if you're thinking about getting a hunting license right now that you should look into it because it might be easier to get it now than it has in the past or maybe in the future. So, um, you can go to www.hunter, H U N T E R hyphen E D.com. Hey guys, if you're like me, you despise waiting in line at the big box stores only to deal with a minimum wage pimple popper that doesn't know his bore from his buttstock. Or spend hours of your precious time online looking up something that may or may not exist or is unavailable. Well, I have your solution. It's Rooftop Arms. Rooftop Arms is a new online style custom built firearms and retail shop. If you can build your own weapon, would you? I would, and I would call these guys because they know what they're doing. The cool thing about this company is you can get a hold of them online. They know exactly what you want. You can custom build anything you want. There's no lines, no pimple poppers, and no COVID masks. When you have your firearm built by Rooftop Arms, it is a precision firearm with customized parts and accessories made for your gun for your style of shooting not to mention it will come with an optic or sight depending on your preference already mounted professionally bore sighted and ready when you pick it up you know what that means that means you're ready to punch 10 rings that means you don't have to screw around with more time online looking for an optic looking for a sight waiting for it to be delivered by Amazon. Nope, you're ready to go to the range. Also, it means not sitting there for the first 20 minutes, maybe the first day, wasting ammo trying to get your gun on target. It's ready to go. Did I mention it comes with its own carrying case and cleaning kit? These things are awesome. They're built, ready to shoot. There's no questions asked. Also, these guys, they do other things like sell ammo. Or sell optics if you want a different optic. They do all kinds of cool stuff. So what are you waiting for? Get out there and check these guys out. You know what? Better off, get off your Twitter, Snap, Face, Insta thing and flick your thumb the other way. 
Go to Google, go to search, type in www.rooftoparms.com. All lowercase, all one word. Again, www.rooftoparms.com. And get off the Twitter face thing. You don't need it. It's evil. So if you haven't got your hunting license yet or your hunter safety course finished yet, now's the time to do it. We've got a whole season of things to go out and gather and hunt and and be outside. So get that taken care of now um, in the off season and or the slack season and uh, get going. And then also, like I said before, check out the deferral program if you're just not quite sure yet. It's uh, super easy to do. You just get on the WDW website and go to uh, Hunter Education, and there should be a, uh, a link for deferrals. Anyways, uh, moving on to spring, turkey and bear season is just around the corner, uh, usually about middle of April. Depends on exactly where you live, but here in, on the West Coast, that seems to be a pretty general time frame is around April 15th. Uh, not to mention it's time to get your special permits in. So, uh, if you haven't done that, uh, like right now in Washington, uh, multi-season deer and elk raffles, uh, I guess you'd call them raffles or drawings, um, are, are going on. And for until the end of March, March 31st is a lot due date for, to have those in. And they're $6.50, I believe, for, um... To enter that to see if you get a chance at a multi-season tag. And I've talked before about multi-season tags uh, to those people that hunt in Washington. But uh, it is kind of a cool thing. I actually had my my first harvest off of a multi-season tag last year. And um, I think it was worth it. it. It's a little more money. But uh, especially if you have a crazy schedule like I do. And you never know what days you're going to get to hunt and when. Um you know, like this year with fire season, uh, being gone on fires, I missed all of early archery season. So by having that multi-season tag, if you're a person that's gone a lot or could have things come up, uh, it's a lot makes your life a lot more versatile and still allows you to be successful as far as getting out in the woods and having time to, uh, to get the job done. So look for those. Um, also, winter steelhead is on its way. So... If you guys uh, haven't tried winter steelhead fishing um, or haven't done it in a while, it uh, it's a whole it's a whole world in itself, and it's going on right now. So get yourself down to a local river, figure out a f- float and a jig system, or even just some spoons or blue foxes or crap, even just plunking and taking a big old chunk of lead and a and a leader and hook and a piece of shrimp or whatever and just plunk it on the bottom. So. Um, it's pretty easy to do, it's easy to research, easy to look up, and if you go back to my, uh, my interview with JJ, I think it was like interview, or like six or eight, I really gotta get better at, at what numbers everything are, but anyways, uh, it's the one with JJ, and, uh, he talks all kinds of stuff when it comes to winter steelhead fishing, so, uh, you can go back and check that one out. Uh, and the last thing is I really, for those of you that care about Washington legislation, um, I know I harped on it a little bit last time, but I'm going to go back. I got some more information. A quick shout out to, uh, to, uh, Peter Obarno, which is our new 20th district representative. Uh, 
he is he's just been really really transparent uh he has a newsletter out which if you're a washington uh resident that lives in his district uh you've probably been getting the emails from him but uh he's keeping everybody informed really well on what's going on in this weird legislation with um zoom meetings and and covid crap so Anyways, I just want to go over a quick things, a few things real quick. So House Bill 1055 is a bipartisan bill put together actually by Obarno uh, that uh, is an effort to extend the reporting of requirements for timber pro- <clears throat> processes uh, or purchases. Sorry, geez, I can't even read my own writing. Anyways, what this, is, what this means is that uh, from what I've gathered is in the past, uh, the Internal Revenue Service has basically held timber owners or timber buyers accountable um, for the amount of revenue that they're gaining off this timber every month. So uh, I guess somewhere in the past this wasn't a thing and they were having a hard time tracking uh, timber markets and the price of, of timber and the price of lumber. And by by doing this, they uh, by making them accountable and making them report all earnings and all uh, timber purchases within basically 30 days, uh, they have a lot better model now that they can predict uh, rise and fall in log markets and things like that, which is very important, especially when you're talking about uh, the beneficiaries of this, like counties and uh, schools and all the trusts that uh, get that those tax dollars for that money. So, anyways, I, that's a good bill. You should vote yes on that. And what Peter's doing and, and the Democrats that are backing him, uh, they are actually trying to extend this from basically from July 1st of this year out to September 30th of 25. So, four more years, basically. And, um, so I would vote yes, especially if you live in a small community, this is going to benefit you. Um, also house bill 1263 and 1263 is a bill also, uh, co-sponsored by Obarno and, uh, it's to get communications, um, well, it's, it's a comprehensive grant program to support rural infrastructure. So that means like getting broadband um, and sewer and storm drains and these kind of things up to date with uh, more urban areas by allowing grant monies that um, these small towns and small communities can apply for to get these things done that normally they probably wouldn't be able to afford. So... Uh, this is also a really cool bill. So remember that's 1263 House bill. Um, that's definitely something that if it ever comes to the vote of the people, we definitely want to push. Or if you feel like calling the Congress, uh, your local uh, Congress, state Congress, whatever, uh, and you want to tell them how you feel about these, uh, I would strongly recommend that you call them and tell them that you are in favor. Now, with that said, hold on a second, let me turn my page here. Is this stuff I had to write down or forget it all? Um, so, with that said, we have some, some bills that if you're going to call in and you're going to talk to your representatives, 
These are the ones you want to tell them, no, we do not want these. Uh, starting with House Bill 1164 and Senate Bill 5078. These are the bans on high-capacity magazines, right? So any any semi-automatic weapon or any weapon, period, any firearm that holds more than 10 rounds will no longer be manufactured. So what they're saying is from now on you cannot get anything if this bill passes you cannot get anything more than a 10 round magazine from you can't they can't purchase or uh gun dealers and firearms dealers cannot sell them and manufacturers cannot make them in the state of Washington so if this passes uh if you have some of high capacity magazines then you're pretty much grandfathered in from what i can read but uh, you will no longer be able to purchase anything higher than 10 rounds. So keep that in mind, guys. Um, that's one we definitely don't want to pass. Also, House Bill 1229 and Senate Bill 5217 uh, is assault weapons ban. They're just straight up want to ban all semi-automatics. Uh, that includes your 1022. So it reads, all assault weapons ban. Semi-automatic center fire or rim fire rifles that have an overall length of 30 inches that's literally everything um let's see uh i guess really should read my oh conversion kits so if you have uh, a glock or something like that that you have one of those nifty little conversion kits i have one uh that you slap your pistol up in there and makes a little um <clears throat> little uh kind of forearm gripped longer stock whatever you want to call it but little conversion kit things i'm sure you know what i'm talking about anyways those are going to be illegal um part of the combination of parts uh thumb hold stocks any, any parts that have to do with semi-automatic uh rifles or semi-automatic yeah i guess weapons it doesn't even say rifles it says weapons um so Thumbhole stocks, folding stocks, telescopic stocks, or even forward style grip, so like a bullpup grip, um, anything with any of those kind of stocks are illegal. So basically, your wooden normal rifle stock is about the only thing that is, is legit anymore if this passes. Right now, the good news is it doesn't sound like they're gaining much traction in committee, but... These things have a way of sneaking through. So if you're going to call uh, and ring somebody's ear, congressperson, whatever, this is the one to do it. So House Bill 1164 and Senate Bill 5078, we want no, no, no. Uh, and then we have House Bill 1283 that uh, prohibits the action uh, acting within three or more people and open open carry so okay sorry i had to reread my notes and they're really bad anyways uh basically if you have a group of more than three people you're open carrying uh or displaying a weapon in a manner in which it is reasonably or a reasonable person would feel threatened uh that's illegal so if you're open carrying and you're walking, I don't know, through Walmart or, or down the street, 
And some soccer mom, Karen, comes by and says, Oh, that gun is horrendous and it scares me. Then guess what? Now you just broke the law, which I don't understand how that works because um, it's kind of a right. But they're trying to take that away. So that's another one. Look into it. That's House Bill 1283. Um, I don't think it's getting much traction either. But, um, yeah, that, that's a weird one for me because I kind of think open carrying is kind of asinine. And I, I probably said this before, but, uh, you know, people want to do it. You go ahead and do it. But I feel like you're just asking for trouble when you're open carrying. Uh, one, you're going to be the <laughs> if there is a perpetrator there, he's going to single you out first because he sees you have a gun. Um, and two, all it does is bring negative publicity that the, you know, people that own firearms just don't need. So, um, anyways, I, I don't agree with open carry necessarily. I don't, I don't believe it should be fringed upon. I think we should have the right to do it. I just don't think it's a great idea personally as, a, as me or somebody else walking around. It's not a, it's not a good way to advocate for firearms. So, and, and safe firearm practices. All in all, all these uh, bills that are trying to be passed through the legislation in, Wa- in Washington State and Olympia, uh, to me, they they don't help with with crime. They, there's nothing there's nothing in any of these bills that's going to help us prevent crime. All it's doing is causing more laws and more restrictions on the legal responsible gun owner. So I say no on all these. Um, and then, and moving on from there, uh, there's really, you know, uh, I don't see anything in any of these firearms laws that they're trying to pass that actually, um, is making firearms safer for anybody. So all these are doing is trying to suppress people from their own rights and what they want. Anyways, I'm done hacking on that, but uh, take this stuff into consideration. Take a look at these bills. Uh, maybe dig into it a little bit. If you need uh, Peter Obarno, sorry, Peter, if I butcher your name, it's so hard to say for me. Uh, he has a website uh, and an email list, and if you're interested in this kind of stuff and want to know what's going on, contact him, uh, get on his email list, and you will receive updates weekly on all the stuff going on in Olympia. So, sorry guys if this is more Washington-based on this topic, or this this podcast, but uh, a lot of stuff going on. Not to mention, I'm sitting here right now, and for the first time that I can remember in my life, I got over a foot of snow on my roof, and it is coming down, and we are having a little snowmageddon. So, anyways... Uh, hope everybody's safe. Hope everybody's having fun. Hope COVID hasn't got you. And we'll see you on the other side. Well, thanks a lot for listening, bitches. So, I'm excited because now, not only can you find me on Instagram, you can also find me on Facebook. And what? Oh, I got my own website. Yeah. I got little technology fingers going and built myself a website. Thank you, Squarespace. Anywho, you can go check it out at MediocreOutdoors.org. I know, it's an org, but it's not a com, it's an org. So, 
All one word, all lowercase. M-E-D-I-O-C-R-E-O-U-T-O-O-R-S dot O-R-G. Check me out, guys. Leave me some messages, and you can donate now to the podcast. Hopefully, pretty soon, I'm going to have some merch out, and we are going to start selling it, and you guys are going to start buying it. So, hold on to that thought. Wait after Christmas. Save your cash, and we're going to buy some merch, and you guys are going to wear my swag. So, anyways, have a good one. Talk to you later, guys.